And I just remember saying to them when they were in my house, they said like, on a scale of one to 10, how sore are you? And I said, I kid you not guys, I've never felt pain like this in my life. I, I was like, I play rugby, but this is the worst pain I've ever felt. I think as soon as I said that, they were like, right, this is, this is serious. You're listening to the England Rugby Podcast, O2 Inside Line. I'm Rosie Galligan. I'm Rosie Galligan and I play for Harlequins and England Red Roses. I play second row. I'd say three key components to being a good second row is work rate, intent, so making sure to hit hard and carry hard, and positivity, just making sure being there for people and being like a presence on the pitch. I've got a really close family. I've got two brothers and a sister. I'm the second eldest, and then I've got my older brother, me, Lucy, my sister, and then Charlie, my younger brother. We're all quite close in age, so Charlie's 18 and Henry's 26, so it's quite nice as we've started to get older. We get on really well. When we were younger, we probably bickered, a lot of fights, little play fights in the garden and competitiveness, but I think that's kind of stemmed from being in a sporty family. My mum and dad were really sporty when they were younger. They went to Loughborough, kind of did every sport as well there. And then as we've got older, we've kind of played every sport under the sun, been given as many opportunities as we can to kind of decide what sport we wanted to play. So when I was younger, I did netball, hockey, cricket, but I also did stage school for 10 years. So I just wanted to do everything and anything. So when I was at stage school, I started when I was pretty young. I was there for 10 years. So it was singing, drama and dance. And you do like an hour on each and then come together. And every term you do like a big performance. And I definitely was, again, competitive. So <laughs> when it came to like auditioning for parts and stuff, I never went for, oh, I want to be part number four. I was always wanting to be part number one. So I was always wanting to be Alice in Alice Wonderland. I actually managed to get a few main parts. At school, I was the lead in fame. That was quite nice. I wore like a red sequin tight bodycon dress with everybody dancing around me, singing about me. So little things like that I still remember. And I think music helps in so many aspects of my life still. So I love listening to music when I'm in the car. It was a big part of my life. And I think, again, it's probably taught me lots of skills that I've taken into sport. I don't think you'd find me trying to sing in front of the rugby girls, though, because I'd definitely get, sh I think I'd get shot down and be put back in my place by a few of the other girls. <laughs> I picked up a rugby ball when I was younger, just a bit of tag with a few of the boys before then going and deciding that I wanted to play football. I picked up a rugby ball again um, when I was 16 at a touch tournament. My brother was playing with a few of his friends down at our lo local rugby club, Elsford Bulls. It was one of those tournaments where you had to have two girls in your team as part of the rules to make it fair and equal and stuff. And those girls managed to get two points for scoring and the boys only got one. So... I remember them saying to me, right, Rosie, put yourself on the wing. And then once we get through, break the line, like, we'll pass it to you and you can score and we get extra points. And at first I was like, yeah, great, having a great time with all the boys, like enjoying summer. And by the end of summer, I was like, actually, I'm really enjoying getting involved in like the social aspect of rugby. I started developing my simple pass catch and wanting to get involved. And I remember saying, actually, I don't want to be on the edge. I want to be back in the middle, like put me in the middle. I can actually try and play and like fighting the other girls to stay on the pitch and, and get as much game time as I could. But yeah, that's kind of like where my journey started and I played at Elsford that year. 
and also did county stuff and then led into London and Southeast regional stuff as a centre as well, where I met the likes of Zoe, Jess, Hannah Bottomman. So I'm still playing with a lot of the girls now that I met then. It's really nice now that I'm back involved playing with them again at Club and Country. Fast forward a few years, I then went to Saracens. So my coach at London and Southeast, Rob Kane, he was my Saracens coach and he said, come along, like, I think you'll really enjoy the setup at Saris. So I spent five years at Saris, won two Prem titles, and then I had a lot of highs, but I also had a lot of like lows. And now I'm here sitting in an England camp and playing for Harlequins. So there's been a lot of change over the last year and a half, but it's been like good change. And I've learned a lot over the last, well, since I started playing rugby. I think for me, it's always been important to have something else to fall back on other than sport. Like for me, I've always been quite academic. I decided to study sports management and marketing. I've always been interested in like the events side of things. It's a bit like how we look at ourselves now, like get people to come to our games and how you can portray something to like entice people in. So for me, like marketing and, and management was what I wanted to go down. And I think that also stems from like my coaching that I did as a young, as a girl. And like seeing festivals being put on, like I could see myself running events and running a sports marketing agency or whatever in the future. So little things like that have stemmed to me wanting to study sports management. As the Prem and being back involved in camps and stuff has become more apparent, like you see how important like marketing is. I probably didn't realise it at the start, like how important it would be for us us girls to get rugby out there to to the younger generation but nowadays I think like marketing is such a big factor in getting it right and getting girls into sport. I don't think it's just like your social media platforms I also think it's like you're like maintaining the I think maintaining like the integrity of like what we're about so being able to talk to the fans after games and like having that personal relationship for us girls is the thing that drives people wanting to come back. I think it's very different to the men's teams where they'll get given 10 minutes and then they have to go in. For us, we could be out there for an hour. And I think at this moment in time, that's so important for us to keep getting girls in and keep um, people wanting to come back. The last Six Nations in, in 2022, I had picked up a marketing manager role at Heart Sports Partnership and I had a little 20 hour contract there. And it was keeping me ticking over. I was still doing my coaching at Harlequins as well, just because I, I wanted to be able to live a good life keep my marketing but also have a job that could work around my rugby at Harlequins so when I, once I got into camp it was a bit too much I was still trying to do my session plans for coaching I was trying to do my marketing 20 hours a week so I decided that if I wanted to try and actually be a professional athlete like everybody else I had to let something go and like I now know that I've got a few marketing roles on my CV like it's not going to go anywhere I'm not going to forget it so it's always going to be something that I can come back to so whilst I'm young whilst I'm fit um, whilst I'm enjoying my rugby, like I want to give it my all. So Six Nations was a real turning point for that. And I gave that up and just decided like this is my time now to try and have a good Six Nations campaign and then see where it takes me. And now sitting in prep squads, like it's a bit of a surreal moment and I can actually try and just focus fully on fully on that. It was a risk, but at the same time, it wasn't. It, it didn't feel like a hard decision to have to take. Financially, I could have looked at it that way, being like, do I want to have less money kind of thing. But at the same time, there's no better feeling than walking out on the pitch playing for England. So it doesn't even really cross your mind. It's probably the best decision I've 
ever made. And although my marketing is such like being in front of a computer doing it has stopped, I have definitely had to like kind of market myself more and think about how I can get the best and the most out of like me as a rugby player now. So marketing for other people has stopped, but marketing for myself has actually probably grown and like helping other people with their social media, just to like giving them ways to increase their engagement and talking to them about like their grid posts and their stories and how you can like get people to get involved and have conversations about rugby and participation, all that stuff. Like that's probably where I now see my brain ticking over still and it, it's still there. Like my marketing brain is still always on. But yeah, it's just more about focusing on me as a brand and as a marketing appeal now kind of thing. <laughs> so I got capped for England in February 2019. I actually only got called in because both second rows broke their fingers in a training session a week before they were meant to go and play Ireland in the Six Nations. So it was definitely just a lucky break where they needed like people in just to fill in. So I think now I can say this because I've had my second, third, fourth caps kind of thing, but it was definitely like a lucky break. Whereas my second cap, I felt like I actually earned it. So I was in like a good place. I was playing good rugby and then I contracted meningitis in September 2019. I didn't know anything about meningitis. So when, when I got ill with it it was just a bit of a whirlwind like at first I didn't really have any thoughts or feelings towards it and then as the days went on and kind of when I got back into normality that's when it hit me how serious it could have been. So I lived with Zoe Harrison it was one Friday night before we were meant to play Richmond um, I just had spaghetti bolognese with Zoe Harrison's mum Karen and her boyfriend at the time and she wasn't in so I was just sitting with them and I was like oh I really don't feel well. So I took myself to bed and I just remember laying there like my brain trying to switch off but my body being so like on edge like really sore achy and then an hour or two later I felt really sick so I took myself to the toilet was really sick everywhere so I called my dad who was an hour and a half away and I said look I just don't think something's right can you come and pick me up so I bumped myself down the stairs out of Zoe's house and then I got home and it was the next morning dad had to take my brother to rugby training and my mum came in and she saw a slight little rash on my leg. Um, but I think it was like my pale skin and how dead I looked to the world, really, and how my body was feeling that made her ring the non-emergency line. And they came straight away. They blue lighted me into hospital, already treating me for sepsis and meningitis, like by the time I was in the ambulance. And I just remember saying to them when they were in my house, they said like, on a scale of one to 10, how sore are you? And I said, I kid you not, guys, I've never felt pain like this in my life. I, I was like, I play rugby but this is the worst pain I've ever felt. I think as soon as I said that, they were like, right, this is, this is serious. So I was on gas and air, having a great time in the ambulance. And then once I got to the hospital, they put me in my own little quarantine room and I was there for 10 days, pretty much unable to walk for the, for the first week. My legs were so sore, I had rashes everywhere. They basically said if I came in a day later, I could have potentially lost my legs. I don't actually think that was the hardest time, though. The hardest time was when I got out of hospital and I felt better in myself and trying to like put myself back into reality and normality. And I went back to living at Zoe's and she was going out to training and stuff. And I just felt so isolated because I was like, I'm still having to spend pretty much every day sleeping 10 hours a day because I was just absolutely knackered. And she'd be going out, going to training, seeing all of all our friends, like going out to see the girls, gymming. 
Um, and that was probably like my hardest time mentally. But Zoe was great in helping me like get through a really rough time. And I went to Saracens for my first session back and my physio was like, oh, you can do a six minute bike. And I was like, oh, perfect, I'm back. Like this is gonna be easy. And I kid you not, I slept for like the whole day the next day, like the next two days, because I was just absolutely exhausted. So that's when it was like, okay, this is gonna be a lot longer than what I expected, trying to get back to full fitness. I then got back to full fitness. And then it was when I then played against Worcester in January 2020 that I shattered my ankle. So I was dropped in a line out and I shattered my ankle fully. And I was on the floor on gas and air. And I think I was just like to myself, Rosie, this is going to be a bad one. It's going to take a long time to recover. Like I knew I probably shouldn't have been back playing rugby, but I wanted to like convince myself that I was fine and that I was fit and healthy enough to be playing and being exactly the same as everybody else. But yes, being on the floor on gas and air again, I was like, okay, this is my chance now to just really focus on myself, get healthy, get fit and have a good comeback. So that was kind of, again, a big moment in my life where I was like, okay, this is just about me now and, and having my own little journey back. And then post that, COVID hit. <laughs> so COVID actually was a lifesaver for me. I didn't really miss any rugby that season because the season was canned. So I was in a boot, I was at home, no one else was playing rugby. That was actually probably like really good for me. I didn't, I didn't mind the season being canned, in all honesty. I then had to do all my rehab through COVID, so I wasn't really able to see any physios. I think every so often, because of my the condition it was in, I needed to see a physio, so I did. But again, like the accountability that I had to put on myself to make sure that I was doing everything and anything under the sun just to get back and, and make sure it was fully healing. And that was quite mentally and physically tough. But again, Zoe was there for me the whole time. She was massaging my foot. Her mum was feeding me three times a day, being like, you need to eat now. You need to have a protein shake now. You need to do this now. And I'm like, yes, Karen, okay. But yeah, so Zoe and, and her family really helped me through that. And I don't think I would have done it without her. Like she really helped me through that. Hello, I'm Karen Harrison and I'm Zoe Harrison's mum, who's a friend of Rosie Gallagher and has been friends for a very long time. In the early summer of 2019, Zoe came to me and said, Mum, is it possible that Rosie can come and live with us because she's starting her placement at her school? And I suggested, of course. She was part of the family um, and it's like having two daughters at home. She called me her surrogate mum and yeah, she was my surrogate daughter. We were all very shocked to hear that Rosie got meningitis and how it happened and how it happened so quickly. And then she came back. We had to take one day at a time, but Rosie likes to take two steps rather than one step because that's in her nature. She wants to get there. She's larger than life and she wanted her to get going. She did everything that she possibly could to get herself back into peak condition to play rugby. And they played at Worcester Warriors and she went up in the line out and then they came down and that was it. She was on the floor and I could hear her scream. It was very emotive and I was really sad for her um, because she just worked so hard. And it was the pain. I, I will never forget the pain that she was going through. Shortly after her operation, we had to look after her because she was pretty immobile. So we fetch and carry. But she worked so hard. The rehab started immediately and she never, ever for any excuse. That's what her prime goal for the day was, all her rehab. 
when I went to watch the Roses game and she got her second cap. I'm very, very proud of her because she'd set out to achieve that and against all the odds, she achieved it. And that made me very proud indeed. She deserved it. When I got back from my injury, I was like, buzzing, I'm fit, I'm ready to go, give me my starting shirt back. And I got frustrated that I wasn't starting. I was only getting like 20 minutes off the bench. I was like, why is my coach not believing in me? But actually, I think I was probably just a bit a bit naive to the fact that actually I wasn't at the top of my game. Like I, w- I hadn't got back to where I thought I was. So I started not really enjoying rugby. I started not enjoying the environment. So that's when I started talking to Gerard at Harlequins. I was like, right, I think I need a bit of a change up for myself. I was like, nothing wrong with Saracens. They've done so much for me and got me back to where I was. But I think for myself, I just got a bit comfortable being at Saracens and I wasn't actually developing and pushing myself as much as I could if I had a fresh start. So I spoke to Gerard and I told him my aspirations. I said, I want to play for England again. That is my aim. Will you support me doing that? And he said, absolutely. He said, I do want you to focus on your club like career. I want you to focus on playing week in, week out for club, but I will fully back you and help you get back into the England squad because we know you deserve to be there. So I, had, I started at Quinn's, absolutely loved it. Being able to just like really start from the foundations with them and gradually build up my confidence in like a squat, things that I'd never really wanted to do because I didn't feel confident in, that completely transformed like my body shape and helped me actually become an athlete. It was a big like personal shift in mentality and physical attributes in that in the start of the season and then I went into the Quins and just started really enjoying rugby like being a lot fitter meant that I could actually do things that I wanted to do and then I knew there had been a few injuries in the England camp and I didn't take any notice of it because I was like I'm just going to keep my head down and what happens happens but the forwards coach Lewis Deacon we, we call him Deeks called and he was like Rosie you're right he was just like oh we've been following like you playing and we think that you've come on since joining Quinns and you have like deserved to come in and show like what you can do kind of thing. So I went into Six Nations camp and I think everybody probably expected me to come in, play a few minutes and be a, an extra kind of thing. But I went in there with like a open mindset of I'm going to take every opportunity that I can and go with it. Like don't hold back. And I managed to play every game in Six Nations and kind of surprised myself as well as everybody else, I think. And for me, that was probably, that's probably been my highlight of my rugby career so far, just because I know every minute of that, although it was hard training and I wasn't smiling when I was tired at the end of a session, like I knew everything that I was doing, I had a massive smile on my face. I was loving rugby. I was loving where I was with me as a person. Like I felt like I'd really come on as a person both on and off the pitch. And that was probably like my highlight to date and putting a Six Nations medal around my neck in France with my mum and dad out there and all of the families and stuff in the corner. Like it was my birthday. So singing me happy birthday whilst I was on the pitch with a medal, like that was absolutely class. Then the straight line coming through. That's a great line as well. Rosie Galligan spotting the gap, charging through. Rosie Galligan is a very, very good friend of mine. She's just a phenomenal rugby player and then off the pitch, just an incredible friend. I'm Jess Breach. I play for Saracens and England Rugby. As a friend of Rosie's, I'm really proud of her. She's come so far over the last two years with having meningitis and breaking her ankle. Great take from Rosie Galligan, spinning away. 
I'm Sada Kibaya. I play for Loughborough Lightning and England. I would describe Rosie Gallagher as like a bundle of joy. Even when she's struggling or she's like blowing like everybody else, she's always smiling. Rosie Gallagher, what a great character, what a great addition to the squad. I'm Simon Middleton, head coach of the England Red Roses. From two years ago to how she is now and how she came into the programme, talk about maximising your opportunity. You know, and she's proved what a fantastic player she is. She's a great athlete, great competitor, and just wants to be the best she can be. Very determined. Since my ankle and meningitis, like, I've just had a complete shift in mentality. You can't take life for granted. That's probably, like, the biggest thing. Like, you have to take every day, like, live it as your last as such. For me, it's all about just being happy, like, playing with a smile on my face, like, doing things that make me happy and not dwelling on anything that I think I should have done or should I go and do this. So I think it's definitely just made me a stronger person, both as a person and as a rugby player. And... Again, just taking the opportunities when I can, like whether that's work, whether that's talking to potential partners, sponsors, like actually putting myself out there because I want to give myself the best opportunity to be successful and, and like live the life that I want to live. When I did go back to club, I think I realised how important rugby was to me socially. Like you don't realise how important like rugby is. Like It's like a family at the end of the day. Rugby is a family. Like you've got weird and special bonds. Sometimes you absolutely can't stand each other, but then you go and fight for each other's lives on the pitch. You know what I mean? So it's a unique place to be in. Like Sarri's was a family to me and there were people there that would do anything for you both on and off the pitch. So going back and being back in the environment, that's when I found myself most happy, even though I was struggling still, like just being around people and being in that social environment of rugby was was the best place for me to be. Yeah.